Hi, I'm Bryce, and I'm ready to preach. Hi, I'm Casey, and I'm ready to preach. Hi, I'm Patty, and I'm ready to preach. Hi, I'm Mark, and I'm ready to preach. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity to gather. God, we ask that you clear our minds of any unpure thoughts. God, we ask that you cover us with your spirit. God, we ask that you move into this podcast and say everything that you once said, God. Uh, You know your people well enough to know that we need you and we need a word from you, God. We ask that you send it in any way by any person, God. We ask that anything we do be done to the glory and to the lifting up of your name and to the edification of your people. And we ask in Jesus' name, amen. 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 Welcome back, family. You've reached the Ready to Preach podcast. We're excited to have you on here on this podcast. It's It's been a long week. Uh, we've been kind of jumbled up all over the place these past couple of weeks with recording, but we're getting kind of back into a flow. We're having some equipment issues. We're getting ready to send our machine back to be to be worked on. But other than that, we've been doing pretty good. We're getting some stuff done. We're uh, having some wonderful spirit-moved, spirit-led church services, and I, that's the best feeling you can have. From a, a preacher's perspective or a church goer perspective, well, child of God. There we go. <laughs> let's just let's just call it what That's it is. It. Apples are apples. When you're a child of God, it feels good when part of the Trinity comes around and s- dwells with you. I'll say, leads you. He's a look. The Holy Spirit's a leader and a guide and a comforter. When you get to feel that and recognize it, is when it feels good. Yeah. Kind of rattles the cage a little bit, shakes something good loose. It shakes the junk off. I think it purifies and cleanses you and makes you realize that you need to change some things. And when you get something and realize that something works, I don't think you should move from it until you need to figure something else out. Because we were talking about that earlier. We did some some new new style, not new style, but we really put some heart into what we've been doing lately. And it's we're getting real results. And I think that that's big. We. Changed up, and it needed to be changed up. It needed to not be ritual. That's that's a thing too. I think we get we're I think we're ritualistic in nature. Oh, definitely. We're, we're creatures of habit. I think we like to do things, and some some of us, even myself, get scared of change. You know, not scared of it, but we don't want too much of it at once. And I think we get into this this drought kind of a period to where we're like, what's going on? But then you're looking around and you're like, I haven't done anything different and I'm expecting something different. Right. That's, that's it. it. You know, yeah. I want something different, but I'm not doing anything different. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over, but expecting a different result. It doesn't always have to be, you know, just trying to force something to happen and then right. do it. It could be even being church related, you know, it's okay. I'm we're doing everything we do all the time, anytime, but I want something different. And I've come to the conclusion too that people like well, this worship service was coerced. Um, the sovereign, all-powerful, all-knowing God cannot be coerced no. into something. You can coerce someone's feelings, but you're not going to get God to move like we've seen him move by our little action or our little coercion, what they say, or uh, a little stunt that we've pulled. You're not going to get that to happen. Mm-mm. God's too powerful for that junk. That's right. And it's not, uh, you can't just make something like that happen. God moves when God moves. Say, if we could coerce the spirit, every worship service would be great. We'd have no duds. Right. And that thats that was my thought, too, is like, why don't we just do it every time? Right. Well, not just that. We wouldn't even have purpose to be here. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. And if you want some proof that we can't make God do anything, I got a verse for you. Let's hear it. Uh, It's from Job, chapter 38, verse 4. 
Where wast thou when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare if thou hast understanding. We weren't there. Right. That's right. We weren't the ones that, you know, we, we weren't on an advisory council with God to say, no, 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 I want to put that tree over there, right. put this there. We right. weren't we weren't involved in any part of it. Exactly. I think God sees willing vessels and he's like, I mm-hmm. can move there. Exactly. And I can use there. And I think you can put yourself there, but you don't, you do that on purpose, but it's like, you're not doing it to get a move. It's like, all right, I'm subject and submitting to what God wants to do. That's it. That's all he needs is a willing vessel. Yep. And not to go off topic or anything, but the best the best way to get something out of a vessel is for it to be broken, have a lot of opportunities out. By the way, mm-hmm. just if you've been through some things, you don't think God can use something that's messed up. Yeah. He uses the the best stuff he uses and the most coverage he gets out of out of something is something that has a lot of places to go for the liquid to flow out or the movement to come out of it. Just a thought. All right, let's go around the table and talk and just see how everyone's doing. Mark, you're up. Well, so far, the week hasn't been too bad. Enjoyed uh, just a little quiet time, some studying. Um, Walked around outside a little bit, not too bad. It's been we've been having that little heat wave. I was not <laughs> going too far. I got a question, okay, for you and for the rest of you at the table. When you say studying, do you sit there? Is there just one thing in the category, like sitting there and reading your Bible on that? Sometimes it is, or if it's like, okay, I know an idea of a couple things. I want to see where all it is, right? Then I'll just search, like, okay, where in there is everything on this, and I'll start reading through those. Personally, I would say that that's the foundation of the study and the the root of what we're studying. Yeah. But my best understanding and learning comes from listening to someone teach. Could that be? I, I'm, is that would that be considered? Oh yeah, study? I watch, part of my study is definitely centered around some YouTube videos and things like that as well, or any anywhere else that has videos that I can listen that's talking about what I'm looking into. That's part of it. Because I feel, I feel like, you know, some people would discredit that and be like, well, that's just someone else teaching you. Why don't you go read the Bible yourself? I'm, mm-hmm. I'm not going to say that I'm the the lowest on the totem pole in that, like the intelligence of that. But sometimes I can read through something and just not get it. Yeah. Or you can get an idea from somebody else's teaching. Right. And then, and then build you can off study, of, study and build off of that. And study to see whether that's, you know, study, to show, there. study to show thyself yeah. approved. But if you get something... Go and it doesn't line up. I feel like, and you're like, okay, I'm gonna toss that. That's not a good idea. It doesn't line up with that's the right. word of God. That would just be showing yourself approved. I think. Yep. Yeah, but that's a, that's an attitude. I think we ought to have with everything, even in church in general, because yeah. you know we run these screens. We can we, honestly, we could make them say whatever in the world we wanted to. Right. But if you don't have it there with you to go over as we're going over it, you never know. Right. Not that we do. I'm just saying it's technologically possible. It's possible. Um, did a little bit, well, more than a little bit of work on the, uh, barn revival sermon. Yeah. And even though I haven't had anyone call me a liar yet, but I'm saying there's nothing nerdy in this one, which <laughs> I, is that's one thing the, coming up that I'm super excited for. Oh, definitely. That is a place where I feel like everyone kind not, I wouldn't say humbles themselves, but to go in a barn and have church, you gotta be willing. Mm-hmm. It makes me think that people are more willing <clears throat> to accept and to move in the spirit. I feel like myself speaking for myself sometimes and uh, observing, 
Sometimes coming into church, a nice church building that's just been vacuum swept, clean, the bathroom smell great because we sprayed before you came in. You get this idea of what it's supposed to look like, how you're supposed to look like, how everything goes. Whenever you're going to a barn with a dirt floor and folding chairs, it might be liable to break on you if you're not careful. Trying to find a piece of plywood to set stuff on. (laughs) Well, yeah. And it puts you in a different mindset. You're not worried about, you know, being pretty and having the church experience because there's nothing there to give you that. Well, and uh, it goes back to the first point we made. We're creatures of habit. Yeah. Yeah. We like certain things and we're willing to do certain things under certain circumstances. This one is kind of like throw everything out the window. And I feel like, too, with the reputation it has gained, being a revival, mm-hmm. you know, with the the tag revival, I think you come more expecting something. That's it. And obviously, if you expect something more, you'll get something more. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. You know? And then when you look at what being the barn revival, it's not going to be the case if you're doing the same thing expecting something different. Right. You're going to go into it expecting something different, but you're already starting on the right foot by doing something different to start with. You know something that's something that a lot of people discredit? What? You can only revive something that's dead. Yeah. That's so true. And <laughs> it's it's sad that we got to do it once a year to get back into a, a fit shape, you know, bring everyone back together and revive it. That's why I feel like there's such a move of the spirit. People need to be revived and there's room for revival. Right. You know what I mean? Well, there's so much dead stuff in the world that they're trying to push forward too. You gotta, you gotta, sometimes it's nice having that week where, where you're going there and you're hearing something maybe done a little different or something that you never thought of before. Right. That kind of helps clean out your own mind. And it's like, and from all of us, it's only ever going to be biblically based. The Holy Spirit won't land on something dead. Yeah. Think about it. When Jesus was getting baptized, what came out of heaven in the similitude of a dove? What is the dove? Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit. That's what it, it. That's what it represents. It lands on something. What did it land on? Jesus. It's not dead. He went to the grave. Still ain't dead. Still ain't dead. Think about it. Noah sent Noah's in the ark. What comes out of the ark? What did he send out to the ark? A dove. dove. What is the dove? Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. What did the dove get? A live olive branch. Yeah. It won't land on nothing dead. Just saying, if you want the Holy Spirit to move, get alive. Yeah. Get alive. <laughs> get revived. All right, Casey, you're up. It's been good. We had great services Sunday morning and night. That was refreshing. Not that we don't have good services, but it was just... They get better. A little more refreshing than usual. Yeah. And then I had Monday off work, and I literally spent minimum of 12 hours sewing Monday. Probably closer to 13. Is my blanket done yet? No. Very close, though. Much closer than it was before Monday. 12 hours ago. Do I have to get in line to put in an order? Yes. Yeah, because apparently Eli thinks he's next and homie is out of the water on that assumption. (laughs) Uh, I trump Eli. He can come after me. Let me, let me, let's, let's get this straight. I feel like as a Christian, child of God, we'll say, let's get Christian out of our terminology. We're working on that. Yeah. As a child of God, you know, people would ask, you would say service was great. Not that it's not always great, but it was somehow better than it was last time. I feel like as a child of God, you should be moving forward it's every always, time. Each other that. time should yeah. always be better than the one before. Right. And there's some times that aren't very good, but then you look back at it and you're like, well, that's an experience that I know 
didn't work and I can change from that. So it still was good. Right. And it actually was better than the last one because I didn't get that same experience to push me forward to the next one. Exactly. That's important perspective to understand that there's good even in things that don't look like it. Mm-hmm. You know, there's learning in times whenever we don't do as well or whatever our surface doesn't feel great for some reason and you figure out what was wrong, whether it's internally or externally, and then you move on and you get over it. Well, and it's like it's like uh, Joseph, when he looks over his life, God, God was talking to him, he said, the things that were meant for your evil, I turn them around for your good. Yeah. yeah. And that's all that is is perspective. Because mm-hmm. if the things aren't bad, he can't turn them for good. Exactly. And if they're always good, it's like, come on now. But but the things that look so ugly, it's just a God make. God has this thing of wrapping it back around to the end. Sometimes it takes a minute to see it, right? It does. Or it takes a couple services of stagnant feeling, you know, that down feeling. But I feel like that's also that down feeling is a motivation to drive to get a good one. Right. Yeah, that's true. And how can that be bad? Motivation, uh, a motivation, a motivational experience is not bad. No, it is not. Patty, you're up. <laughs> Batter up. Batter up. Um, it's been a good week. Very restful for me. Yeah. I took a extra day off of work and um enjoyed it. Uh, drove around, enjoyed the weather. It was kind of hot, but it was really beautiful. To be out and about, um, visit some different places that I've never been before. Yeah. Just stopped because usually I'm working, so I don't stop at certain locations because they're open when I'm working and then right. they're closed when I'm not yeah. working. <laughs> yeah. So it was fun just to stop and drive around and stop at different places this and earth, check them out. This earth that we live on is pretty beautiful. It is. Right? It is. My dad and myself were talking about that, and Mm -hmm. he was talking to Pastor Jack, one of our good friends. He said, you go around and you look at how beautiful this place is, and you're like, how could you be mad at one another to where you want to be at war and kill each other and fight each other? Mm -hmm. Just drive around and look at some of the amazing paradises that God has created on this planet, even in your neck of the woods. Yep. And, and a lot of people are like, well, this is Southwest Michigan. Nothing really is that beautiful. Uh, Go to they, Lake Michigan. They've never been outside, apparently. No, it's really pretty here. Wait wait till it's about October and everything's orange and yellow. Mm-hmm. Then you're like, okay, I see it now. Yeah. Or how about even by the lake and the piers when it's wintertime and that stuff freezes up by it? Yeah. There's so much stuff. God has created so much beauty everywhere. And we, we I have this problem where I just don't take enough time. And maybe it's because I'm working, but it's like, Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. I need to set some priorities straight. I don't have, I have a limited, the time clock is clicking downward every day. Yep. It's coming to an end at some point. And I need to take time to slow down and just enjoy what stuff that I have and what stuff that I get to see on a daily basis that I just take for granted. I think that's how I've become after I turned the big five zero because I'm just trying to do a little more um downtime or me time whatever you want to call it family time yeah um just to enjoy life yeah because it's going so fast and now that i got closer to 100 <laughs> halfway <laughs> you're equally close to 100 as you are to zero right <laughs> um i just want to enjoy life a little more instead of working all the time working all the time you know um make some memories it's it's weird to think about that and we've gotten in such a weird place to where we're just Go, 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 mm-hmm. go, yeah. you know? 
trying to build all this stuff. And at the end of the day, you're going to leave it. Yep. Yeah, that's right. We went to estate sales and I'm like, this is funny. We're here looking at people's stuff that they build all their life. They took all their life to build Mm -hmm. and to collect Yep. just so they can leave this earth for what? For strangers to come into their house and... And you buy it and take it home and someday they're going to do the same thing. Exactly. And I was like, that's so weird. I think I've got... Was it Mark that said life is just a vapor? I think it the, was. I can look it up real It fast. says a vapor. It's here today and gone tomorrow, you know, as it, or as the smoke rises and it just disappears. I feel like I'm at that stage of life because a lot of these older folks that I'm knowing are passing away, you know, and you're like... and. And some of like my uncle Junior, he's he's old, he's eighty, but be eighty one, and he's he's sickly, you know. He's been in and out of the hospital. He's just, I don't feel good, this and that. I said he's worked hard his whole life. He's done well and put his priorities, I think, in in the right place. But he gets he works super hard and that's what you that's what you get at the end of the day. You know what I mean? You get to see if the thing that has really stuck out to me. The only thing that is around you at the end of the day that matters is your, first of all, your walk with Christ, because that's going to get you out of this life into the next one. The next thing is the family that you have around you. That's right. And the Mm -hmm. relationship that you have with your family, if they're around you at the end of your life, you made it. That's right. So I found it. It's actually, it's James 4.14, whereas you know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanishes away. And I think the better you understand that, the better you'll live. Yeah, that's right. The more, the higher quality you'll get out of life. Now, I know you weren't here yet, but you guys were kind of like knocking on the whole idea. Like, you know, Stacy and I, we went on a, a cruise last year. Yeah. Because they were like, I don't know about being on the boat, being out there in the middle of water. I can't see land. That is one of the most relaxing places to be because you've got nowhere to go, no appointments, no nothing. You can't go anywhere else if you wanted to. Except for the bottom of the ocean. <laughs> All right, James Cameron. <laughs> but it's I'm just, just it's kidding. just like there was one neat thing we saw that um, on one of the islands that we were on was, you know, there's seagulls and stuff and that everywhere, right? Well, the, the color and the stuff of the water and all the ground and everything there is so much different. Because there's nothing, it's all as it was with a few buildings scattered here and there. Yeah. And you're watching these seagulls and that fly, and it's like, that seagull looks green on the bottom because it was such, everything was clear, everything was sunny. It was just reflecting up the color of the ocean to the bottom of seagull. And like, we're sitting there on the boat after we left the one island, we're eating, and we're out by the... Where the windows are, and there's just birds just kind of hanging out, flying right next to the boat, right next to the one, just keeping pace with the boat. And it's relaxing. Sit, and you sit there and wonder, like, what am I doing that's so important? You know what I mean? And even like you're saying, Patty, when you get to the end of this this life, this race that we call life, you get to the very end of it, and you're like, man, all the stuff that I've acquired is worthless to me. And you're right. The only thing that matters is the relationship you have with Jesus Christ at the end of right. your life. At the very end, and that at when close to that is the people that are around you. If you if you die in a hospital room full of people that love you, you did all right in life, no matter what happened anywhere you're the richest else. Richest person on earth. Seriously, that's hard to overcome. Mm-hmm. That's hard to get better than. Even think about it during your life. Mm-hmm. The relationships that you have with your parents, your 
uncles and aunts and cousins and brothers and even just people that you know. And with all these deaths around us, you think about that. What kind of legacy are you going to leave behind? In, in what kind the, of memory are you going to leave behind And of even, even further than that, in two generations from now, no one will remember you. Mm-hmm. So what does it matter what you do here? Live for Christ, and that's good enough. And keep make sure your family does. Yep. Yeah. It's the only hope you actually have. All right. Now we had to go on to Bryce. How was your week? We weren't getting out of that. We just I got was on hoping. a little. No. <laughs> you ought to know better than that. No, it's been really good. I thoroughly enjoyed myself Sunday. Always do. I think we had a good service on Sunday morning, and equally as good. Maybe I feel like it was better on Sunday night. I don't know. I just feel like worship was different on Sunday night. I feel like people had a mind and a heart to worship on Sunday night. And that's what they wanted to do, not because they were forced, because it's what they wanted to do. Why do you think the mindset was different? I got a good reason. <laughs> and I'm going to share it if you guys don't mind. I was about to say, if you're not, I'm going to ask you to share it. So. I think that's. I think this is a very big reason why we're starting to see the movement of God as we're opening up to God saying, God, we're, this is nothing that we can do. We're we're asking you to come in and be a part of what what we do, and I feel like he honors that. And what we did on Sundays, we normally go in there, go into the pastor's office, and grab hands together, and someone prays and just prays over the service, prays over worship, just prays together, you know, collectively as a group. And usually, it's been the last person in. And everyone runs and races to the room, and <laughs> Casey and I kind of got fed up with it. I don't know who else was, but I know me and Casey started to get fed up with everyone. Oh, you weren't the only one. Not me, not me. I don't want to go hurry, you know, pray this. And it's like, if you don't want to pray, we don't want you to pray for us. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and that kind of took a little bit of time to realize that. It was it was kind of fun at the beginning, and then it was like, oh, wait, this is serious. Right. You know, we're ushering the Holy Spirit of God. I mean, that's pretty, pretty high of a standard of... Uh, something that we're doing, you know, yeah, it's not to be with that attitude. We weren't, no, we weren't. There's no way we could have that way. And mm-hmm. we were wondering why stuff was happening different. You know, it's like, man, it just don't feel right. It feels kind of stagnant. It's kind of like we're singing and then sitting down and nothing's happening. And it's like, well, that's exactly why occupying space, occupying air, occupying time, not actually achieving anything. Nope. Yeah. We weren't doing anything. So this week we were like, well, not this week, a couple of weeks ago, we we're like, if you want to pray and have the urge and the feeling to pray, then you can pray. Just start praying. You know, just come in here and be like, I'm praying today. Okay. And then that was getting some results. It was better. And, you know, you're starting to see changes. And I think that's part of the whole, we should be growing continuously as children yeah. of God, learning continuously, mm-hmm. seeing the difference. And I think that that stagnant part of it, like I was saying, is a very a very great growing experience. Would it be that sincere milk of the word that we were talking about on Sunday? Since genuine. The genuine. There we go. So what we did this Sunday night, and we didn't do a Sunday morning because it just didn't think of it or it wasn't revealed, I guess, maybe to us. But we got grabbed hands. Patty started praying, and I just started to feel, I was like, as soon as she's done praying, I'm going to pray. So I started praying, and as soon as I got done, Casey started praying. As soon as she got done, Mark started praying. As soon as Mark got done, I think Stacy went next, started praying. As soon as uh, Stacy got done, Maya started praying. The whole Everybody that was in the room that was collective in worship prayed and asked the Holy Spirit to come into our service, fill our people, use us, use anybody. It don't matter. You don't have to use me, God, but use somebody. Exactly. Mm-hmm. You know, fill this place with worship. This is for you, God. We're here to lift your name up. We're here to glorify you. And just, it broke loose on Sunday. It was just 
different than it's been. And it felt different. That's the biggest thing to me. I see different and it's like, okay, it's all right. But when you feel something's different, it was awesome. Well, we always yeah. like to say, you know, it's better felt than told. So right. Right. Yep. If you want results, pray honestly. Yeah. Heartfelt prayer. It's been working personally in my life. <clears throat> yeah. That's a big thing is really getting real about it. Yep. You know, we say you have to pray to talk to God, but if you're not actually trying to have a conversation, you're just trying to throw whatever you want out into the atmosphere and hope for the best. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, here's one thing, too, that that my myself and my wife have been doing before we go to bed, audibly praying. Yeah. Not saying in your head. It's, I mean, it's a difference. I think there's a difference to it. I feel like the results are different. It feels more mm-hmm. like you're actually having a conversation, maybe. I get that. I feel like there's more power in audibly speaking your prayers. Yeah. Another one too is writing them down, being like able prayer to prayer journals and things. Yeah, like that. being able to revisit them and expand on them and look at them. And another thing is, it's like a checklist. I was praying for that two months ago, and God fixed it, took care of it. Mm-hmm. And something that's been heavy on my heart, and I preached about it on Sunday morning, is miracles only happen when you do your part. Uh, my problems are 100 percent my problems. Yeah. Zero percent God's problems. Uh, there's me and one of me and Casey's favorite songs. If it matters to if it matters to you, it matters to the master. Mm-hmm. But if it matters to you, you'll get up and try, and have him get in there. And one of the things that I was talking about was a cup that's overflowing. You fill the cup up as much as you can because you only have the capability to fill it up so much. Bless you. Bless Thank you. you. Sorry. Anything over that, anything that is overflowing from that amount of the cup. Is God working? Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you've done everything that you can do to stand, stand. Mm-hmm. That right there, that when you've done everything that you can do, the next stand is God holding you. That's right. Well, because think about it. If it's, we're talking about just as ourselves, we're going to stop ourselves. As soon right. as it gets towards the top, we're just going to stop. We're going to be content with, we know that cup has eight ounces in it. We're content. Right. I've got my eight ounces. I've got all I need. Right. We're not the ones that would be keep pouring because there's more to come out still. That's right. I was just thinking about it, and you guys can call me crazy if you want to. Okay, crazy. (laughs) Let me finish. (laughs) (laughs) We say it takes faith to put something in God's hands and then trust him to deliver on it. I think it takes more faith to make the step that you know you can't complete, trusting that God will pick up where you left off. Pick up the rest. That's right. Yeah. Because you can sit here and say, God, do it. You know, God, do it. I have faith that you can do it. But to step out and know that you cannot complete the task on your own. Proves that you believe it. Yeah. One of the things, too, and the important part of what I was thinking, and I I got everybody, which it wasn't me. It was a thought that I've heard. And it was said, what, there, here's two statements. Patty, you weren't there. Did you listen on Sunday morning? So you weren't there. And here's two statements. You tell me which one's better. I have a problem, but I'm not going to do anything about it. That's statement number one. Statement number two is, I have this problem. God, I'm just going to leave it in your hands. Second. Second one sounds better. Everybody said the second too, I think. They're the same statement. It's like, God, I'm just giving it over to you. No, get up and start moving towards an answer, and I'll finish. When you feel like you've done everything you do for this, you can do, I'm going to step in and actually finish it for you. Well, and you could think the people that write that wrote that the Footprints poem, mm-hmm. same idea. You notice when you read through it, the guy is asking, hey, now there, there were two footprints, now there's only one. So at some point, we realized that there was someone there. Right. 
But then we assume when it's only the one that it's because Jesus got, left. Jesus left us. Yeah. But as the poem says, no, that was when I carried you. So it's like sometimes we just had to take a, I guess, a step back and look and realize that you know, well, even when it seems like it, at, there was a point, even if it's at the way beginning or wherever before it got hard, where it was side by side. Right. It was never, never at any point with what he wrote in that poem was it ever only just one set of footprints the whole time. Right. It's always moving and God moving with you. I don't, I, and I call it miracle territory because you get to a certain point where you've done what you can do. And then the rest is where God works. The impossible, basically. Yeah. But you know what the Bible says about impossible. What is impossible with God? Nothing. 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 Anyhow, we can move on to the next part of this. And I feel like we've been talking about it for all night long here. And it's kind of about fear. And there's a fear in that. I kind of think it flows perfectly into what we were just talking about. Fear and moving. Fear in general. Seeing that you have a problem and too much fear to to say that you have a problem. What do you say, Casey? I'm a scaredy cat. We can start there. <laughs> no. I think all of us have a category of fear that yeah. certain things that scare some people that maybe don't scare the other. Okay, no. It's scary to move. It's scary to make change, um, especially if you don't know. I mean, if you were certain every time that you're going to succeed, of course you'd have no problem making a change. Absolutely. But to have the the fear of the unknown, the fear of failure, the the not knowing what the outcome is going to be, that's what scares me the most in things. I think that's, I wouldn't say logical. I feel like, but it's like a common fear. Yeah. I feel like people are scared to do something that they have a pretty good inclining that it's going to not happen the way they think. Right. You know, it's like, well, that's well, the, the quote unquote statistics are stacked against you. Yeah. I think you try something new you, with Anytime you try something new, you never have all the information you need. Right. So there's no way whatsoever the way that you planned it is the way it's going to go. Right. And yet we still expect it to. Right. Sometimes whenever I first feel inspired by something or like I'm first thinking about making the change, I'm like reared up, ready to go. I'm like, this is going to be so good. You know, I know it's going to move right. Everything's going to be good for me. And I give it about three days. I'm going to say five minutes later. If you don't move on it right away. Doubt. Yes. Yep. Just little <clears throat> itty bitty seeds. And by the time that you have the opportunity to do it again or you have the opportunity to move, you're afraid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the little seeds of doubt are whole trees now. Yeah. Yeah. Do you want to give us our verse for that one? Yeah. Second Timothy 1 7. And this is where I know Bryce knows I'm big on this. Anyone that's listened to me either preach or teach knows I'm big on the way things are written. Yeah. And also that applies to translations. Yeah as well and in this case we go out of the king james we go back to the one that's been around the longest it's been the most accurate if you go and do the research it's the most accurate to the documents that they were that they used right and i'll point that out in a second so it says um for god hath not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and of a sound mind and i wanted to point out the um NIV translations. I don't know if it was NIV. It didn't say what it was. Yeah. But there was a version of it that said of love at the end, it said of love and of self-control. But 
that's not self sound mind is not self-control self-control is you know there's something you're not supposed to do and you go by it and you don't do it that's self-control sound mind is you wake up you know who you are where you are and what you're going to do there is a clear vast difference between choosing one word and choosing the other so Nothing against other translations. You can use them if there's things that they say that make it easier for you to understand it, but always go back to the other. Use them to help the other make sense, not try to make the other fit into those. Right. And that's going to be the easiest way, I I feel, to use all that stuff properly. And it clearly says right there, God doesn't give it. God doesn't give you fear. Yeah. He gives you love, power. Isn't that weird? We all want to get away from, I don't want the power. I don't need the power. You know, God has the power. He's given you the spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. So you'll be able, I think they all have to go together though. They do. If you have power, you have to use it with love and compassion. And you have to have a sound mind, a psychopath with power. What do they do? Mass genocide, you know, stuff like that, junk like that. And want to have wars and stuff like that. And if you have love, you have power because you have self-control, discipline, all these other things, and sound mind. And it all just works in reverse with each other. And if you have a sound mind, you know how to use your power with love. Yeah. And it's funny, too, because everyone wants to kind of run away from God and away from the Bible, you know, society in general, not the church. Right. And what's the one thing, one of the top two things that they always want to try and get more of? Power. Power. Yep. That's why I said top two, because I think some people might say money first, but then they always say that, you know, money is power because if you've got the money, you've got the power over right. whoever's around you. <clears throat> and it was given to us already. We get put down the power we were given and try and get power that man thinks is good. Right. Not even just that. I think like you were alluding to with the translations where things can get twisted up a little bit. Even we twist it up ourselves sometimes. Yeah. You know, we read have a spirit of humbleness or um the meek will whatever. Inherit the earth. Right. And we get it so twisted that being humble and being meek means that you can't have any power about you at all. You know the word they use for the meek and the meek shall inherit the earth? The one who has a sword and knows how to use it but keeps it sheathed. That's yeah. what I'm saying. We get it so twisted up that we think, well, that means I can't have any sort of ability or power, right. any sort of authority over anything. The one who has the ability to chop your head off, but doesn't, shall inherit it's, the earth. It's power under control. Right. I said, it, I said it before in Bible study. I said, I'd rather be a warrior in a garden than a gardener in a war. Amen. Yeah. I'd rather have more abilities than I need than less abilities than I need. Yep. You know, it's better to have it, not need it, than need it, not have it. Yeah. That sort of thing. We always say it was working. You know, we're like, we'll grab, we, even though if we know <coughs> we're only doing something that requires this, if it's something that from talking to the client, there's a possibility of more, like, okay, we're just going to grab the whole bag, bring it in. It's just easy, in case, yeah. it takes a lot less time to bend over, reach, and grab something out of it than it does to go walk back. back outside and go and get it. Right. Patty, what do you feel about on, on fear? Fear? I feel like fear has control if you let it. Fear is a very... It con- can, yeah. Fear can have control over your mind if you allow it to. It can keep you from doing something that you need to do. But fear can also keep you safe at the same time. Right. It Comfortable. Just de- it just depends on the fear that you're dealing with at that moment. Yeah. 
um, there's a fear to speak to somebody at a certain time. And then, like Casey said, doubt comes in your mind and you're like, eh, maybe it's me speaking to myself saying, go right. speak to that person. Right. Or maybe it's God. Right. But maybe I'll just wait and find out later which one it was. Right. But, and then you find out later and it tears you up. Yeah. Because you should have gone over there and talked to them. You said that fear might keep you safe. What In what way do you think that would be? Um, that it would keep you safe. Fear can also keep you safe from, from like, say you're going down the road and you have a fear of something happening. Right. So it tells you. Like a, I get like that. to slow down or whatever because something bad's going to happen. Something there's bad. A, there's, there's a, a possibility. Fear, there's a fear of something going to happen. Okay. You know, I think that, there are two kinds of fear. There's, of a, there's like a fear of a good fear. Like it's like of, a reverent fear. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So there's the fear of something, like the possibility of something, like the reverent fear of God. Right. You know, <laughs> the, the fear that he could, he has the power to put your soul in hell. Mm-hmm. You know, whether you want to believe that or not. Yeah. That's why, not why we reverence him, but that's a, a reason. No, but it's a pretty good one. <laughs> yeah, that's, and that, yeah, that's a nice thing. Like I, I was just looking up the words for because I was curious because I didn't remember it completely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So with in the Hebrew, it has a word for fear, but it's it's used for both. It's used for just fear of being afraid, but it's also as in reference to God, depending on how you use it. So how when it says it? fear of the Lord, it's in reverence, but that can, when it's not something that's touching God, then it's just fear in general. I think too, though, the fear, like the reverent fear, I feel like people are more reverent. Like when Ananias and Sapphire got struck down, I think that would be a reverent. I'm going to, I'm going to be reverence to God because he has that ability. You know, I don't know. But the reason I was pointing out differences in the Greek, it's the word they use for fear only means fear and affront. It has nothing to do with reference. So there are different types of fear. Yeah. The correct biblical version of it is when it's touching God, you're revering God, it's an, you're in awe of God. When yeah. you take out of the God out of the equation, that's when you get scared. Yeah. I think we should title this Let Fear Run Your Life. <laughs> or Don't Let Fear Run Your Life. Either way. Let yeah. the right fear run your life. There we go. That's it, Casey. Let the right or we'll fear. put it in the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. I don't know. Fear of the Lord is life. It kind of started off of just being scared. Mark, what do you put as fear? Let's talk about fear in your perspective. And nowadays, the way we see it, well, how I see fear. Anyway, uh, I let's like, talk about all of them. I like the uh, using it as an acronym. I've heard it before, and I've said it is it's false evidence appearing real. Okay, like so, a scared fear. Yeah. So things that we're, it's where. The devil basically is tricking us into thinking, oh, this is what's really happening. Yeah. This is a reason for you to be scared. Yeah. Because it's getting us to get our eyes away from God. Yeah. So then we go, when we go into the, like the Hebrew word of it, we go from being in reverence and awe. It's like, okay, now you're going to go through this, but God's not there. So now you can be scared. It Wouldn't it be just like that? Everything everything has a counterfeit. Yeah. And in one aspect, it's to reverence God. And the other aspect is to be scared of the devil. Exactly. Hmm. Weird. Yeah. It's kind of weird that the only bad fear is once you remove God from the situation. Yeah. If it, It's a good fear when God's there. Is it, would it be safe for me to, do you think, 
that God could cover you from doing something. Say you do something wrong and you're scared that it's going to come to surface. You know what I mean? Come to light. Would it be, do you think God would be gracious enough to cover you from that coming out? Well, I think that the Holy Spirit would convict you first of all. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. The step, step one is you've done something wrong. You know it's wrong. Now you're scared that everyone's going to know it's wrong and everyone's going to see it and, and, and look at you differently or whatever. Mm-hmm. Be like, God, can you guard me from that? I think he could probably protect you from it. I feel if like you he's ask all, him. I, maybe he does stuff as like learning experiences. We've talked about that a couple mm-hmm. times tonight as a like protection or maybe the learning experience is Although coming. Although you go through things. On purpose. On purpose so that you can help somebody else out and be like, hey, I've been there. Right. And they look at you like you have. Yeah. Yeah. I've been there. Done it. I'm just curious on that. What do you think, Casey? Yeah. I'm somewhere in the, in middle, the middle of that. Because my thoughts are, I don't think, well, I, I know that God would not bring any unjust or unearned suffering right. on you. Right. But at the same time, I think if, when we've all done things that we don't know about each other and things that nobody else knows, first of all, that we're not proud of. And if you're willing to allow that to be brought to the surface in the specified situation that it could help him, I think that it wouldn't be made public knowledge. But I think if you chose your own pride or trying to protect yourself in a situation where your testimony is needed, I don't think God is above bringing it out to everybody. Even if it's only attended for one, if you refuse to share, right? Not, not even being refused to share, just out of your own, like it'd be to save face, basically right. for you, right? It's if you are trying to, yeah, protect your reputation, right? Mm-hmm. Maybe that's but what I, God's trying to work. I believe he's work. a gentleman, though. You know, right? Right. It doesn't just, and I, and I know that you go through everything you go through on purpose. I firmly believe mm-hmm. that. And God has a plan and a purpose through everything. Maybe he wants you to do something and go somewhere that you wouldn't normally go on your own. And I don't know. It kind of goes either way for me. I'm I'm in Casey's boat in some and Patty's in the other. We're going to get Mark's perspective here in just a second. But I'm I'm kind of at a point where I'm like, God can use it in the bad and he can use it in the good. But it's up to his will to decide. And the worst part about it is not knowing what his will is. You know, does he want, does he want this? This thing to come out and 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 take my reputation because I have too much pride or arrogance on me, or is it? Does he want this to stay hidden because I've learned my lesson, or you know what I mean? Yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird thing, weird thing to think about because there's all stuff we've done that we're not proud of, right. and probably the stuff. I mean, we've when we first started, we spilled the beans on the stuff we've done, but it ain't all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's stuff that ain't coming out, you know, right. that we're mm-hmm. not gonna talk about just for our personal reputation, I guess. Mm-hmm. And maybe it's just that we don't feel comfortable, but I don't know. Mark, what do you say? <clears throat> I say that it's not always necessarily a bad thing when you do that, not to know, or to, I guess we'll say you don't know the plans of the Lord yeah, or what he's planning for you in whatever the situation is. Yeah. Um, One of the other ones that's made it, had it stay on the chart of my uh, favorite verses is Jeremiah 29 11. I had to look it up to make sure I got the right one. For I know the plans I have. For I know the thoughts I think towards you, saith the Lord, the thoughts thoughts of peace and not evil to give you an expected end. So if nothing else, if maybe you don't need all the details, what's going on, just realize that whatever he has planned, it's not going to be bad. 
I know, but sometimes the peace cometh by tribulation. Yeah, don't yeah, don't don't pray for patience, but unless you really, really no, want it. The peace, no, you the shouldn't peace, ever pray for patience. The peace comes after such a terrible storm, you know. The calm finally comes after the storm. Yeah. You know, I and it's not I mean, I just thinking out loud here. Yeah, and I saw something else and it jogged my memory when we were talking back about fear, the definition of fear to me or well, based on the word, if you remove God from it, it's a bad fear. Right. That's not the only case. Same as with the word for truth. Yeah. The first letter of truth is, you know, it's alpha. It's what we refer to as, you know, when God or Jesus say that I'm the alpha and the mega, the beginning and the end. Well, if you take God, the letter for God out of it, it still forms a word. But if you take God out of truth, it means to die. Really? Yep. It has the uh, the word is the word for truth is emet. You take out the e, it's met, and it means to die. Interesting. So you take when you take and put your own truth in, it instead you take God out of it. All it's doing is killing you. Take God out of the situation. Yeah. See, some of the biggest some of the biggest upsets that we have is when we expect God to move, but He doesn't move the way we expect Him. Yep. Mm-hmm. We want Him to move, and we have a predetermined idea for how he's going to move we want to tell him what yeah. to do <laughs> I, I still love that's him. why he knows the thoughts he has towards you the plans because we don't to to lift you up and the plans to elevate you and not to harm you and not for evil but we have in our that's why i'm thinking is he would he cover you because he loves you or would he let you be on the mountaintop someone shouting it from the mountaintop because he loves you because he knows what you need you know, it's just a weird, a weird place. You know, our biggest, our biggest spots of, of of discouragement come from when God doesn't do something the way you want Him to. I st- I still got to stick by my favorite, uh, one of my favorite Steve Harvey quotes when he goes and talks to the people in between filming and between commercial breaks. Like, you can't ask God for something and then proceed to tell Him how He's going to do it. Mm-hmm. It ain't gonna happen. Yeah, it, mm-hmm. it don't work that way. We weren't the ones that started it, right? <laughs> we aren't the ones that can finish it. So let go, let God. Kind of between a rock and a hard place on this one. <laughs> There's a good answer either way, and it yeah. makes sense either way. It's up to it's up to our God, and He's sovereign and powerful. That's right, all powerful. And, and if you believe that, you trust what He's going to do for you, yeah. and take comfort in knowing that even if it seems bad, it can be turned around for good. For we know all things work together for the good of those that love Him and are called according to the purpose of Christ. Yeah, doesn't make doesn't make it necessarily feel any better when you go through those bad or those not hard easier. times. It's not easier, but it's more comforting because you know, right? Then you're not afraid. You're more even awe and reverence of God. Then it's more of a true comfort. Yes, right. And the greatest comfort I know is being able to end this podcast tonight. <laughs> I did not see that going that way. That's Me not the way. I'm just kidding. God's the greatest comforter. His Holy Spirit is the, the true comfort. Oh, and I'm going to find some comfort in my bed. Amen. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> Anyhow, with that. Cool on the little other joke. side of the pillow. Yeah, a little joke for the end of the podcast. Uh, with that, we're going to say love you. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Ready to Preach. We hope that something that has been said today will aid you in your journey both in Christianity and in the pursuit of becoming ready to preach. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please reach out to us on our Facebook page, Redemption Church, and share us with your friends. 
If you have any questions for us or topics you would like for us to discuss, we can be reached through the Facebook's direct message or in the comment section of our posts about the podcast. We look forward to you tuning in next week.